Hey there, my name is Ben Ramos, and you are listening to the Rise Church Podcast. We are a church in southeastern Idaho that is dedicated to sound biblical theology, coupled with the authentic power of God. Our true hope is that this podcast would help you to continue to grow and taking steps in your relationship with Jesus. I hope you feel empowered today. I hope you feel encouraged today, and I hope you feel uplifted. God bless you. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Um, I'm Pastor Cindy, in case you guys don't know. Pastor Ben is very, very sick, and um, we're very concerned. We are praying for the whole family because um, they love each other, and they've been sharing germs, and Pastor Ben has just really had it hit him really hard. So he's home resting, and we're praying complete wholeness and healing. God, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, that he would begin to note the very moment that he felt whole and well and completely healed in Jesus' name. Okay, so the title of this message is For the Love of Figs. I was gonna, I was gonna name it something else, but I was like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> Have you ever had a Fig Newton cookie? I kinda, I kinda like them. I sort of love Fig Newtons. My, my grandfather would eat them a lot. Uh, my grandma would eat the wafer cookies in her coffee until those were gone, and then she would steal my grandpa's Fig Newtons. <laughs> so I sort of, I love Fig Newtons, but I've never had an actual fig, like the, the actual fruit, because it's not, it's not something that you pick up in a store when you're casually buying a bag of apples. You don't just walk up and pluck the ripe fig off of the whatever those things, a produce stand. Alicia does, but I do not. If y'all do, then tell me, tell me how they f- taste. But f- as I understand it, they taste like a mild honey, and that they're soft, and they're tender, and they're very juicy, but each flavor of a fig is according to a different species. What do you know about figs? I I really did not know much until the Lord started laying this word on my heart, actually several months ago, and I talked to Ben about it. I was like, this is the weirdest thing, and he's like, no, that'd be great, and then he got sick, and he's like, hey, this would be great, and I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm, I'm working right now? A fig tree bears a blossom. But a lot of people didn't know that. For centuries, horticulturists thought that a fig tree had no bloom. But they do, it's just on the inside of the fruit. A fig tree takes three to four years to produce fruit. The tree has to mature first. And it means that, uh, I'm sorry, a tree has to mature, but when a fig tree has leaves, it means that the fruit or the harvest is coming. With fig trees that bear fruit, as the leaves come on, it begins to form little nubbins, little pre-figs, if you will. People can eat these little nubbin figs, but apparently they are extremely bitter and not awesome. I'm a pre-fig. It's okay, you're a pre-fig too. You could tell the person next to you, you're a pre-fig, and if you really want to call them a nubbin, you can, I won't judge. But we're a pre-fig. Figs are a fascinating study. They're an even more fascinating Bible study. If you ever want to do a focus study, I really encourage you to do figs. 
fig trees. But there's one particular fig tree incident that I want to look at as soon as I fix this, because my arms are short. The Lord did not bless me with long arms. So if you have your smartphone or your Bible, open to Matthew 21. We're going to start at verse 12, just to back it up a scotch. Oh, my glasses are dirty. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, that my house will be called a house of prayer or of worship, according, oh, thank you, according to some versions, and that is in Isaiah 56, verse 7. But you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were severely annoyed. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you not read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And after he left them, he went to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. This is where it starts to really get interesting. Early in the morning, Jesus was on his way back to the city and he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but he found nothing on it except leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again, and immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Having just condemned the practices in the temple where people are treated solely as a source of a lavish income for the priesthood, rather than taught to observe tithes and mature um, in growing with God and nurtured and worshiping God, Jesus kills a fig tree. That seems a bit harsh. I don't know if he was hangry. <laughs> Possible. But talk about an overreaction. Things seem to have just really spiraled downward for Jesus. But when we look at Mark's account, we quickly notice that it's broken into two parts right after the triumphant entry. Look at Mark 11, verse 12. The next day, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Bethany, they were hungry. It's like a common theme. I'm often hungry too. Let's, we'll just get that out of the way. Not too far away, he saw a fig tree, and it was covered with leaves. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. It was not the season for figs. Interesting. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Jump to verse 20. In the morning, as Jesus and his disciples walked along, they saw the fig tree. It was dried all the way to the roots. Peter remembered and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you put a curse on has dried up. Have faith in God, he said. The truth is, you can say to this mountain, go mountain, fall into the sea. And if you have no doubt in your mind to believe what you say will happen, then God will do it for you. So I tell you to ask what you want in prayer. And if you believe that you have received those things, they will be yours. I will literally never forget the time we did this passage as a family Bible study. We read that and Stephanie goes, what? 
like, what has just happened? This is the weirdest passage in the whole Bible. Jesus is cursing a fig tree for not bearing fruit out of season. Like, can we just, can we just take a second and just acknowledge that Jesus is the creator of the world? I think he would know when a fig tree is supposed to have figs, right? Like, pretty sure that's in like horticulture 101 when he made it. Is he just super hungry and he's throwing a fit? And then he gives a non-answer? Like, what in the world is happening in this moment? There is an answer. It's just not where you'd expect it to be. In the Old Testament, it's a good thing for a person to live under his own fig tree. It's often referenced as a time of prosperity or peace in God's kingdom. The symbol of the fig tree was a common metaphor for standing with God. The disciples and any Jewish person who had ever gone to the temple or ever had any interaction with a Pharisee or a preacher or a teacher or a rabbi would know that. They would know that. Micah 4.4, everyone will have their own vine and fig tree and no one will make them afraid. That is what the Lord who rules over all has promised. So having a fig tree, well, that's, that's a good thing. But you see, God has looked for fruit on the fig tree of our hearts before and found none. And that led to the destruction of Jerusalem. It's a bit of a constant in the Old Testament. Stubborn hearts, resistant people. Look what Jeremiah tells the uh, nation of Israel. Jeremiah 8.13 I will take away their harvest, announces the Lord. There will not be any grapes on the vine, and the trees will not bear any figs. The leaves on the trees will dry up. And what I have given my people, I'm going to take it away from them. So to get to the root of the problem, <laughs> see what I did? <laughs> Where's my drummer? Gabe, come on. <laughs> to get to the root of the problem, we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. As is so often the case, the answers to our questions can be found in the earliest chapters of the Bible. Early in Genesis, we find that Adam and Eve committed the first sin. They had one, you had one job. You had one job. Obedience. That's it. One overarching job. Just do what I say. Do you ever feel like that with your kids? You just do what I say. Don't ask me what, just do it. Yep. I feel like that a lot. <laughs> There's like a million of them, so I really feel like that a lot. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this great sin that would forever echo throughout humanity caused their eyes to be open and they saw what? And that they were naked. That is their own unrighteousness and their shame before God and one another. They stopped being fulfilled with awe and gratitude for what God provided for them. They sinned by trying to find satisfaction outside of God. That's what it was. It wasn't just eating a fruit. It was the point behind it. What you gave me wasn't good enough, God, so I want this. They started seeing what they didn't have rather than what they did. Are you offering a heart of grateful worship? 
How did Adam and Eve try and cover their nakedness and their guilt? You're going to love this one. With fig leaves. You didn't see that coming, didn't you? If you didn't see that coming, you need to read your Bible. Because they didn't have any fruit of righteousness to offer God. They hid with a fig leaf. Just like the fig tree in both Matthew and Mark, they were covered in leaves, but they had nothing of substance to offer God. But God called man and woman good. They were good when they were in fellowship and worship with him. When their focus was on the gratitude that they had for what they'd been given, they were good. But what is it? What is it that God wants? What movie is that? The Note? What do you want? Just tell me what you want. God wants obedience. Love, worship, relationship. Man, those are some tall orders, especially, especially for people who have a tendency to wander. For people who have a tendency to do anything but obey, love, worship, and be in relationship. Why? Because we're tainted by sin. Since the beginning, fig leaves have become symbolic of man's desire to provide a covering for his own unrighteousness. Adam and Eve's relationship with God and one another was broken, and the consequence would be death for them, except that God himself provided a way for their nakedness to be covered through the death of another living creature, and there's the first death in Scripture. In the same way, the nakedness and guilt of a faulty religious system was being exposed in Jesus' day. A system that was leafy from a distance and looked like it should have good fruit because it was purdy. But it yielded no fruit to those seeking spiritual sustenance, let alone to God seeking the fruit of righteousness. And that should be our response to the gratitude we have for what God has done for us. So what fruit do you offer? Do you want to know something about me? We're, just, we're going to keep it just between us, okay? I love giving gifts. I seriously, even this morning, Steve will tell you, this morning I went into my room and I pulled a book off my shelf and I went, oh, I know what I'm going to give my sister for Christmas and she's going to cry. And I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Not that I like to see people cry, but I just, I love giving gifts. I do. Sometimes it's a challenge, so I will break that person. <laughs> but getting gifts leaves me feeling inadequate. I, I don't like getting things. I feel like I don't convey my gratitude or my love for the giver very well. I still like getting things, but I get really embarrassed because I, I feel like I'm just not articulating well. Thank you. It just seems such, it's just too small of a word. What exactly is gratitude? Is it tears? Is it a simple thank you? Is it giving something in return? What should it look like? My son, Stephen, is at an age right now where I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to give him something for Christmas. 
I could get him a car from the dollar store or I could draw a stick figure on a piece of paper and it is the exact same reaction every time. <laughs> He'll take it and he holds it like it is the most precious thing he's ever seen in his life. And he examines it and he goes, oh, oh, I love it, thank you. And then he runs towards the giver and he hugs them. He says, thank you, I love it so much. And it melts me every time. I'm like, I'll give you the world, boy. I absolutely love, love giving gifts. In Luke 17, we read of an interesting exchange that happens. Starting at verse 11, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, he met ten men. They had a skin disease. Some, some versions will say they had leprosy. They were standing close by, and in a loud voice, they called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus saw them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And while they were on the way, they were healed. When one of them saw that he was healed, he came back. He praised God in a loud voice and threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And that man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, weren't ten healed? Where's the other nine? Didn't anyone else return and give praise to God except this outsider? And then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. I remember when my mother taught Sunday school, that was one of the, one of the first Bible stories that I remember as a child. And she always said, don't you be that one. Or no, no, don't you be that nine. I'm sorry. You guys, I totally just messed up an entire Bible story. Can you believe that? <laughs> Do you know why? It's because I haven't had a full cup of coffee. That's what it is. <laughs> don't you be one of the nine. Make sure you're the one. And it took a long time for me to really understand that concept. But the first thing that we see here are 10 lepers, or 10 people who have been exiled because of a skin disease, which in ancient times was always classified as lepers. They could have had psoriasis, and it was classified as a skin disease and as leprosy. So, but either way, they were exiled because they had a skin disease. They're completely cut off from society. And here comes Jesus and his disciples. Coincidentally, there is no such thing as coincidence with God. Right. And what is the first thing they say? Master. Master. They identified him as master. So in this time, if you had a skin disease, you could not even talk to someone who wasn't sick. Because people would shout, unclean, unclean, and they would run away from you. They didn't want nothing to do with it. But these men called Jesus by name and called him master. Why? Well, because even if you're cut off from society, good news travels fast. Jesus had a reputation by this point. So they could identify him, but that doesn't mean they knew him. So what happened? 
Jesus tells them to present themselves to the priest because according to Jewish law, if you were exiled and cast out from society in order to be readmitted, you had to be declared clean by a Jewish priest. And so these 10 men start walking. But you notice we don't know if they actually made it. What we do know is that only one came back because he noticed he had been healed. He was so overcome with gratitude that he rushed back to Jesus and he fell at his feet and he worshiped him, thanking God. Well, where's the other nine? You know, if you had just been healed and you hadn't been permitted to see your family or your friends or even work, where would you be? No lie, I would be going home. I'd be like, Mama's home. I would hug the people that I've longed to see. I would celebrate with my family. I would celebrate with my friends. As a human, as, as a person, would your first thought be, I've got to turn around and say thank you? No, it wouldn't. You would celebrate. Those people were likely running home to show others what had just happened. But we only know the reaction of the one. No doubt the other nine were equally thankful. We won't, we won't dismiss that. But one let it grow in his heart, and the fruit of his gratitude was worship. Because then he went from identifying to Jesus to knowing Jesus. Amen. That's it. Worship. Giving glory where glory is due. His faith grew. We don't know much else about this man. We don't know if he became a disciple, a follower. What impact did he have on the world around him? But what we do know is that Jesus saw his faith through the fruit of his gratitude. Jesus saw his worship. He knew that God Jesus, the one he called master. That's where the source of his healing began. Doesn't say it finished. It says it began. And his response was grateful worship. Knowing God and knowing God are two different things. You can identify it. You can point to it, but do you know it? And what is that response? On like total transparency here, when I am tired or hungry or hungry or had a less than pleasant day at work or my kids just aren't behaving or my house is less than clean, Grace is not my first instinct. Mercy is like the last thing I offer my family. My kids are like, mm hmm. <laughs> and my tone does not convey love. My husband's like, preach that. <laughs> At least I'm honest. But that's why it's a good thing that I'm not God. That weight 
totally lifted because God doesn't get tired of us. He has never had his fill of us. Again and again and again and again and again, we call out, Master, have mercy on me. And he responds with what? I already have. I love you so much, I've already covered you with my grace and mercy. And in that mercy and in that love, he has a plan. And it's Jesus. Jesus comes and the leaders of the day are so full of rules and religiosity that they just can't see this one truth. God loves them so much. But they are empty. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. They had no fruit. They were a barren fig tree. They could have their boxes on their head and they had their beautiful gowns and they sure looked good. But they were unpleasant. They were miserable. Their tone and their actions and even the way they walked around better than everyone showed everything but a heart of gratitude. They turned the house of worship into a den of robbers for their own greed and their own selfishness. They stopped being in awe of God. They stopped living a life of worship as a response to their gratitude. They had a disease called religiosity. A heart of gratitude produces the fruit of worship and a life of faith. Where are your roots found? The fig tree in Matthew and Mark is a representation of the temple. As beautiful as that temple was, that was not God's final solution for us. The temple leaders had withered the temple from its root. There was no fruit for the lost. The fruit that the leaders produced was religion. It was empty and it was dead. So why did Jesus wither a fig tree? Because Jesus saw what everyone else would have seen upon inspection. That tree was dead. It wasn't doing what it should have been. No matter how full the leaves were, it was dead. This is to show us that what looks good and what looks pleasant, that's not what God's called you to. You can say the words, you can identify the words, but do you know them? God has called us to be healed. He has called us to life. He has called us to tell others. He has called us to bear fruit. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm so thankful that I'm not left to my own devices or left to figure it out until I'm holy enough. Because I'd stay lost forever. There are times that I think of what God has done for me. 
And I just, I, you can't, I can't find words. Because I know who I am. I know who I was before Jesus got a hold of me. Just because my father was a preacher and I was raised in a Christian home does not mean I was a Christian. I was not born with a spiritual spoon in my mouth. And why I tell you what I had to learn the hard way. I heard somebody say one time that they were listening to an evangelist and they were sitting there going, man, I want a testimony like that one day. I don't know. Uh, I've had that thought as well. And just like that comedian, the testimony I ended up with wasn't one that I wanted. Because there's a whole lot of hurt behind it. And sometimes that hurt takes an awful long time to heal. I'm so thankful that every day God rescues me over and over again. We were created with a hunger, a hunger for true worship, a deep longing for true intimacy with God, with our God. Nothing fills that void. Nothing. Drugs, alcohol, sex, family, friends, work, Nothing, nothing except God. We have been given the ultimate gift in Jesus, grace. Worship team, would you come up and I close this? Grace that when we mess up, it's okay. He's still there. Grace that when my behavior does not align with my words or I'm not so gracious myself, he still hangs around instead of saying, I'm done with this crazy girl. She's, she's psycho. I don't want none of that. Oh, over and over and over again, he shows up. grace and guidance because as I yield my heart to him he leads me he teaches me and he helps me because in Jesus we find that wholeness we find that healing he is that tree of life Jesus becomes the center of our life and the center of our worship because I know where I came from. I know who I am in my flesh. I know what I can be on a Thursday night when I am not in a good mood. I am a whole lot more snarky and a whole lot less patient. And with Jesus, Maybe I'm a little more kind and a bit more loving and a teeny tiny bit less snarky. 
bit more patient. Because outside of Jesus, I am diseased. I am cut off. And I'm dead. And I'm so thankful that someone who once was diseased, I'm healed. And because of that, I run back to the feet of Jesus and I fall at his feet thanking him with a thankful heart. Thankful for what's been done for me. Thankful that I'm alive and I'm healed and I'm set free. So when God pushes aside the leaves on the tree of my heart, of your heart, what is he going to find? Is it going to be a small, bitter, immature fruit? Will it be barren? Or will the fruit of a thankful worship be what you produce? Does your fruit draw others to be rooted in Jesus? Or maybe you just need to plant those roots yourself. Or maybe dig them deeper. Well, how do we do that? By knowing him. By knowing what he has done for us. By getting into his word. By fellowshipping with all those little nubbins next to you. Because <laughs> we're all maturing. We are all little prefigs. We'll get there. Would you stand with me? So what, is this, what does this really look like? What are, what are these practical steps that we take? Well, it's, it's gratefulness. It's gratitude. It's an acknowledgement of what's been given. And it's that outpouring from a grateful heart so that when God pulls back the branches, he finds the fruit of worship from a grateful heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for forgiving me. And would you just help me do the same for the world around me so that the fruit I bear leads others to plant their roots in you. Hey, thanks again for tuning in with us today. I really do hope and pray that this message has been transformative in your life to help you to take steps in relationship with Jesus. If this has been a blessing to you, there are several things you could do in order to give honor where honor is due. Uh, we would love if you would give us a like, go ahead and give us a subscribe, go ahead and share us, tag us, uh, quote us, do all of those things in your social media feeds. We would be so blessed by that. If you have any more questions or need any more information about who we are, what we believe, or if you'd like to give towards the forwarding of ministry here through Rise Church, you can do so at www.risechurchid.org. God bless. Have a great week.